We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hey everyone, Tyler here. When you're Chinese like me, you don't have a lot to work with, if you know what I mean. Like the game of football, every inch matters. That's why I use the Manscaped Lawnmower 3.0 to trim my Darren Sproles. It's a great tool to clear up all your AstroTurf. Maybe you can trim it down to look like a field goal post. That way, if Michael Badgley ever tries to kick you, he'll miss every time. Use the code GUILTY at checkout on manscaped.com to receive 20% off your next order. Enjoy the ride. Hey Chargers fans, welcome into another episode of the Guilty as Charged podcast. Got a fun show for you guys planned today, including an interview with Chris Harry, the Chargers reporter. Uh, so definitely want to stay tuned for that. But first of all, Alex, how are you doing, man? I'm doing good, and uh, Bill Belichick is never coming to the Chargers, ever. <laughs> It'll never happen. Colin Coward can say whatever he wants, but it will never happen. So just get that idea out of your head. I could not agree more, and I'm, I honestly don't know if I would want it to happen, but that's obviously a conversation for later on in the offseason, and you know, potentially even if there is a coaching opening, we'll have to get to that point. So, uh, like I mentioned, we are going to have an interview with Chris Harry, and then uh, we'll, we're going to do some of our league-wide game picks, and then we're going to dish out some mid-season awards for the Chargers, um, and then, of course, we're going to preview the game against the Dolphins this weekend. So we are recording this as of Wednesday, which means, again, the Thursday night is is open for us. And uh, we'll start it off. First of all, I, I guess I should say that we are officially tied. Uh, I did not have a good week. I have not had a good week in a couple weeks. Uh, so Alex has definitely made up some ground. Um, Alex, let's start with you, man. What are your three picks for this weekend for in terms of the league-wide picks that we're doing? 
I'll go with Detroit over Washington. Kind of been a up and down season for Detroit, but there's been too much inconsistency with Washington when it comes to quarterback. Now Alex Smith is the starter. Um, I just don't know if I trust them offensively to keep up with Stafford. Uh, then you have Cardinals, Bills. I'm going to take the Cardinals in an upset over the Bills. Uh, I really like how they played uh, offensively this week uh, versus Miami. So I think Kyler Murray uh, and the gang over there get it done. And I'm going to take one of Steven's picks from last week, Tampa uh, over New Orleans. I'm going to take Tampa over Carolina. Uh, yeah, you, there, there has to be a bounce back from what was the worst game in Bucks franchise history. Uh, so I, I think that Tom Brady... Uh, they, they played a pretty convincing game uh, against Carolina earlier in the season. I think they play another convincing game here to bounce back from that uh, tragedy against the Saints. Yeah, man, that, that game was odd. And the the fact that they got blown out the way that they did was just bizarre. And I think Tyler po- pointed this out, but the Saints didn't have any offensive player you know reach like 50 yards of, of whatever their category is, and they still dominated. Uh, Taysom Hill was their leading rusher, which is terrible. I hate that every single week anyways, but yeah, man, I'm expecting a bounce back from them as well. And, you know, I think that it's going to be quite an interesting race because they essentially have to, you know, win out and, and hope for some New Orleans losses now because they got swept by the saints. So definitely uh, an uphill battle for the Buccaneers and, uh, Tom Brady. So like I mentioned, the Thursday game is open for us since we're recording this on Wednesday. Uh, Thursday night games are always tricky, but I, I tend to think that the home team will win. And especially this week, I think the Titans kind of figured out some of their offensive woes last week against the bears. And I thought that they, you know, played a really good game and and Desmond King obviously had, had that one touchdown, which, which helped spark them. Uh, definitely wasn't overreaction from Chargers fans, but, uh, it definitely was a, a spark for the team. Uh, then I'm going to go Vikings over the bears. The bears are a hot mess and, uh, you know, definitely proving that their record was a bit of fool's gold early in the year. They just, they, they don't have a good quarterback. They don't have a good running game. They have one good receiver in Allen Robinson and their offense just cannot move the ball at all. And then I'm going to go, unfortunately, the giants over the Eagles. I just, I was pretty impressed with the giants, what they did on Monday night against the Buccaneers. Uh, I thought that they, uh, you know, obviously they beat the Reds or excuse me, the Washington football team, um, you know, last minute victory over the Washington football team and Alex Smith. But I think the giants are, are competitive. You know, they kind of remind me a bit of the dolphins last year where, you know, they're, they lack talent, but the effort is definitely there. And, you know, I think they'll maybe get to four or five wins this year. So I'm going to go with the giants over the Eagles. Uh, that's the decentralized Washington football franchise organization to you. <laughs> yeah, we uh, speaking of, you know, good leading, I guess uh, we had the pleasure of interviewing Chris Harry. Got to talk talk about uh, this weekend, this past weekend's game and obviously the, the upcoming game against the, the Dolphins. And, you know, I didn't know this, but he grew up in Washington, D.C. and uh, grew up a, a Redskins fan. So that was definitely cool getting to know Chris a little bit more. So. That being said, let's transition into that interview now. Hopefully you guys enjoy it. We certainly had a good time doing it. And uh, here he is, Chris Harry. Hey, Chargers fans. We are so happy to be joined now, uh, Alex and I, by Chris Harry, the main reporter for the Chargers. Chris, thanks for taking your time out to join us. How are you doing, man? I'm good, fellas. Thanks for having me. How are you doing? 
we uh, are doing good as well alex yeah. how you doing man uh we're doing good uh two and six is two and six but uh we're trying <laughs> to be optimistic <laughs> yeah it's listen um it's difficult when when you lose every game by one possession and, and it comes down to the final seconds and i think when fans look at what could be right now uh especially right. in the division where you know i've said it uh the last two weeks now and then you, you add the raiders to the mix but you're, you go wire to wire uh leading against the chiefs in week two 21 point lead in the third quarter against the broncos and then that final play against the Raiders um, if just half of these games go the Chargers way you're five and three and three and oh in the division right now and you're having yeah. an entirely different conversation so the the margin between victory and defeat is like this and we saw um, that's why Sunday was I think so tough because the players thought they had it and they put right. everything into it and to see that reversal of fortune on the field in a matter of like three minutes when the ref goes under the hood and you see the angle and, and you kind of see the inevitable happening. Um, it, it was just a, a tough pill to swallow because, you know, I tell you what, man, these, these coaches and players, they put everything into it every single week. And, and I know it gets frustrating to see these close losses, but um, nobody's more frustrated than uh, the coaches and players. And, um, and I know the fans are right there with them. Yeah, I was going to say we saw it in, in 2018 as well, right? So instead of two and six, the Chargers get on the right end of some of those one possession games and they start seven and two that year. So it's, yep. um, you know, just kind of unfortunate. Speaking of that uh, final play, uh, I was wondering of what you thought of the goal line fade call and to specifically go with that um, kind of twice in a row. Uh, what, you know, the coaches thought process on it was and uh sort of what you were thinking. Well, if I'm not mistaken, I think coach said after the game, it was like a, an option for the quarterback to, mm -hmm. to do that. And, you know, Justin put up two perfect balls. And I mean, I guess hindsight's 2020. Um, I think Mike Williams is the best 50, 50 ball guy in football. Um, Parham, two catches, two touchdowns. He was this right. close to making it three catches, three touchdowns. So, I mean, you could, you could talk about uh, maybe getting it to Keenan Allen or, or finding another way in the end zone. But um, I think at that point, you know, man, we wouldn't be talking about it if, if it was just right. this, this, you know, yeah. and Justin Herbert was comfortable with the play. Uh, he threw the pass and, and that's kind of where we are. I, I think with sometimes you look at these games and, and we reflect on the last play of the game uh, as opposed to maybe thinking about some other things that happened, like, taking advantage of, you know, that strip sack by Jerry Taylor at the end of the half, you get that field goal, you seem to get the momentum, and then it gets tilted back with those two big plays to, to Aguilar for the touchdown and the 53-yard reception to Hunter Renfro, uh, the, the muff punt, uh, K.J. Hill, the most sure-handed wide receiver in all of college football. Um, that usually doesn't happen, and it, it's just – I think you could point to a bunch of different things throughout the course of a game – and say, man, if that didn't happen, we would have won the game. Um, and and it's probably easy to look at the last play and be like, oh, well, maybe we could have called another play. But at the end of the day, Herbert threw a nice ball, and and I thought really in midair that, that Mike Williams caught that touchdown, and then Parham caught the touchdown. Everyone yeah. thought that. Yeah. So, you know, here we are, man. It's, it's 
it's one of those things where you look back and you can say a lot of different things, but unfortunately the reality is two and six now. And you go to Miami uh, against a team that's playing really good football right now. Yeah. I, I mean, I just saw live on TV that I saw Parham bobble it. So I wasn't like, you know, as, you know, high, low as it seemed to be in other cases, you know, you and Haley, Ellis talked about that. others, right? Yeah, the angle that I saw, it looked pretty clear that it, that it was bobbled. I thought 100% that Mike Williams caught it. I thought that was the touchdown. So that was, for me, more of like the high-low thing. But um, outside of that, you know, I thought it was a pretty competitive game. And, and, you know, we are not really used to seeing Chargers and Raiders be always competitive throughout the whole game. You know, one team has really always had the edge, I feel like. Um, what did you make of the defensive performance on Sunday? Obviously, Joey Bosa is not... He wasn't healthy. You know, obviously Chris Harris hasn't been been playing for a while. Uh, what did you make of, of how the defense played on Sunday? You know, it's it's sometimes there's dominant stretches and sometimes there, there's big plays and, and breakdowns. I think slowing the Raiders running game going into that was going to be the key to the game. And um, they were getting six yards a pop with Devontae Booker and uh, Josh Jacobs. So, you know, slowing the running game was tough. And when you don't have Joey Bosa and you don't have Drew Tranquil and you don't have Derwin James, uh, you don't have Chris Harris Jr. as you alluded to, it's tough. It's tough, man. But but you have to try to find a way to win. Uh, and again, each and every week they're putting themselves in the position to win at the end and it's just not happening. But uh, to your point, I, I think we kind of saw momentum tilt towards the Raiders in that third quarter. The, those two big plays really set them up uh, – to kind of take control of the game. Uh, Joey Bosa's status right now, we're, we're unsure of uh, what's that, what that's going to be like moving forward right now. But uh, I, I think you need Joey Bosa on the field to make Jerry Tillery more effective and Melvin Ingram more effective. And, um, you know, you tend to suit list goes on and on. So uh, not having Joey in there at the end of the Broncos game and then not having him against the Raiders, I thought uh, a big blow for this Chargers defense. Um, when it comes to offseason moves, the Chargers, obviously, uh, we're, we're pretty big on them, right? Acquiring Trey Turner from the Panthers, uh, free agent signings like Balaga, Harris, uh, and uh, also Linval Joseph. You know, a lot of the fans might look at uh, Brian Balaga's injuries, Trey Turner's injuries, and, uh, you know, what they're dealing with, Chris Harris's injuries as well. Um, is there any offseason move, whether it be a free agent or uh, maybe something the Chargers didn't do, uh, like addressing something in the draft uh, or looking at some depth in free agency that uh, you think they might uh, regret right now? You know, it's it's hard to say, guys. You know, on paper, you saw Trey Turner come over. He's 26 years old, hasn't missed more than three games in a season. Uh and, you know, we haven't seen him and Bulaga together for more than a series, I think, this year, which has been disappointing. Um, you know, Bulaga had had injuries, but, you know, he was steady right tackle for the Packers for a long time. And then, you know, Chris Harris Jr., one of the best slot corners in the game. And you're assuming that you're going to have Derwin James back there. And, and Rayshon Jenkins is going to play uh, free safety. And, you know, I think not having some of those guys – um, it forces you to play differently. Um, I think the Chargers defense would be playing a different type of defense if Derwin James was in the lineup. So, again, we it's it's almost this hindsight thing where you, you look and you say, yeah, I guess, you know, maybe we, we would have uh, 
tried to address the secondary or, uh, you know, another offensive lineman. But going into the season, the secondary, you're like, okay, we got an embarrassment of riches, right? We got, we got Derwin James. We got Nas Adderley. We got Rayshon Jenkins. uh, We got Desmond King. We have uh, Chris Harris Jr., Casey Hayward, Mike Davis. Um, So you you think you're loaded there. And all of a sudden these injuries start piling up. Um, The Drew Tranquil one still guys, I I still think that that was a a huge injury for this, this linebacker core. I I thought Drew Tranquil was going to have hundred plus tackles this year. Um, but nothing replaces Darwin James and, and the the heartbeat of the team, the energy of the team, not just the defense. Um, 33 brings that to all three phases. Even if he's not playing on the field, he brings that energy in the locker room. And I think that's what you're seeing the most um, last year and, and this year. Um, it's, it's no coincidence that, you know, struggles happen when 33 isn't on the field. Yeah, you know, that's a great point. And, you know, even the Drew Tranquil thing, we talked, you know, with you uh, back in July about, you know, Drew Tranquil possibly, you know, breaking out and, and you know, being a, you know, the leader of this defense and, and you know, stepping up in a big way. I, I think there have been some, there have been a few players that have made some leaps forward. You know, Jerry Tiller's made a good leap forward. I, I've loved the way that Forrest Lamp has played. Um, you know, thankfully, you know, there are a lot of positive signs, right? And obviously the most positive sign has been Justin Herbert. You've gotten the chance to watch him in person. None of us have watched him in person. Uh, what are you making of what this rookie quarterback is doing right now? And, 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 you know, kind of, you know, lighting the league up, lighting the league on fire right now. Something else, isn't it? Um, yeah. It's, it's one of those things where if, if I told you in July, you know, the charge would be two and six, and Herbert would start seven of the games and he'd probably be like, you know what, man, maybe the rookie's struggling a little bit and, and it's going to yeah. take him some time. It hasn't been that. He has really from jump. And I think when we talked about some of these quarterbacks in the draft guys, you look at Tua, who we'll see Sunday, you look at Burrow, you look at the weapons that those guys had in college, right? You know, Justin Jefferson, uh, Clyde Edwards, Alaire. Uh, at LSU and, and Jerry Judy uh, for, for Tua. Uh, Herbert didn't have those guys. And right. you're, you're seeing what he can do with not only guys like Hunter Henry and Keenan Allen and Mike Williams, but um, this has been kind of a theme the last four weeks, just elevating the play of guys who you may not have heard of going into 2020. Uh, Donald Parham, uh, Tyron Johnson, Jalen Guyton, um, Gabe Neighbors, his, his roommate, has two touchdowns the last two weeks. So uh, his ability to, to make players around him better and, and also cater to his stars and, and get the football to guys like Keenan Allen. I think it's been really impressive. I talked to Rich Gannon this morning, who was going to be one of my guests on Chargers Weekly on Thursday. And one of the things I asked him, because you know he, he played quarterback in this league, he was an MVP, one of the things that's different for these rookie quarterbacks, um, and it's not just Herbert, I'm talking about two and Burrow. Um, Burrow and Herbert specifically have had a lot of success, but, and I'm not saying they're not going to have success in 2021. I, I believe that to be the case, but it's going to be a different type of game when you have 70,000 people in the stadium. So I, I wonder, you know, if for as good as Herbert looked uh, in New Orleans, you know, when you have 70,000 people on Tapio on a Monday night football game or a Sunday night game, how do you react? And we saw him at the Rose Bowl, uh, his final game, jam-packed, 100,000 people. 
uh, three rushing touchdowns, uh, winning that Rose Bowl game. So I firmly believe that, that Herbert's going to step up and, and, and be the same guy uh, he's been in these last seven games. But it's just an interesting thing to think about league-wide w- with some of these rookie quarterbacks. They're coming into the NFL. They had a disadvantage of not having a, an offseason program on the grass and, and not getting to training camp till late July. Uh, but they also may be benefiting a little bit from not having uh, the typical game day atmosphere where you're on the road against uh, – the Steelers or the the Chiefs or the Raiders or whatever, and, you know, the Seattle, and you have the 12th man there. Um, it'll be interesting to see how uh, how they adjust in, in 2021. Right. Uh, and, and next year they, they play some of the, I think they, I don't know if the Steelers are at home or away, but I know they play the Steelers and some uh, other big uh, franchises next year. Uh, so one of the questions I had, we talked about the defense, uh, sort of how it's been, I mean, struggling and obviously you point out the injuries, but who are the guys that you think in the last eight games uh, can maybe rebound from, you know, some poor performances in the first half uh, and really take it up to the next level to, uh, you know, kind of save this defense, if you will. You know, it's a, it's a good question. Um, I, I think your stars have to step up always, you know, guys like, Casey Hayward and when Joey Bosa gets back to the lineup, continuing his high level play, uh, Melvin Ingram doesn't have a sack this year. He was hurt for a, a, a few games. So maybe getting, getting your stars back on track. And then, you know, guys like Kenneth Murray, who, who didn't play much in the second half, um, he's played a lot of snaps and I've been really impressed with how much he's been able to grasp so early in his uh, career in the NFL. But uh, I think coach said, you know, maybe we put a little bit too much on his plate um, so far. So, you know, getting Murray back in the swing of things, having him uh, continue to to learn and, and not hit a rookie wall. Uh, I want to see that. And then who knows, you know, seeing some guys get back into the mix. You know, I, I like to see Chris Harris Jr., how he rebounds from this injury and um, how he can potentially help the secondary. So there's a number of guys that you can point to defensively who you, you want to see. Uh, kind of take that next step. Nas Adderley, uh, another guy who is essentially a uh, a rookie year for right. him. Last year was almost right. kind of a redshirt season. So uh, seeing him in the secondary, uh, I remember when he was drafted, Daniel Jeremiah said, if you put uh, a safety in a lab to try to be the guy next to Derwin James, it would be Nas Adderley. We haven't seen those guys together. They've not played yeah. a play together in the last two years. So we haven't seen some of these things uh, and, and we get excited about the prospects of it, but um, you know, we probably won't see that till 2021. So there's a lot of things you look to. You, you just want to see your younger guys continue to stay in the fight and, and develop and be the best version of themselves, man. That's all you can do. Yeah, absolutely. You know, that really is the situation right now. We're just looking to see some players keeping, you know, their development going and, and, you know, football coaches love to talk about, you know, winning the quarter, right? And, and going, you know, focusing on the four games. Unfortunately, the Chargers have gone one and three in each of the first two quarters. Uh, in your opinion, how do they make sure that that is not the case in the last two quarters of this season? Hmm. It, it's a good question. And I think these next four games, they just have to stay committed and stay focused and not get into this mindset of, Man, it's another close game. You got to finish the deal, and you got to get your, your your best players back to to be at your best. But I also think that uh, 
you know, these guys dug deep last Sunday and, and darn near won that game. And right now you're going on the road against a team in the Miami Dolphins and, and Tua. They're playing good ball right now. They're playing pretty good defensively. You saw what they did to Jared Goff. Um, I think Justin Herbert just has to continue to do what he's doing. And um, it's it's about getting all three phases on the same page on the same day. And uh, that's what they have to do. And it's it sounds cliche. It sounds like it's a simple answer, but that's what it is. All three phases have to be clicking at the same time on the same day. Um, you can't make penalties. You can't turn the football over at inopportune times. And you got to make your field goals and you got to put together uh, efficient drives. And, you know, I saw, I thought we saw a little bit of a, a spark in, in the running game with Kalen Balage last week. Um, obviously Austin Eckler is another guy, man. Uh, I can't tell you how much he means to the offense and he just hasn't been out there. Um, so we were playing a lot of this, what if game right now? Yeah. You know, I think at the end of the day, Stephen, man, it's it's kind of getting your guys back. You know, because once you get your guys back, it, you start stacking some wins, you start gaining confidence, and the rest uh, kind of takes care of itself. Have you heard anything about Eckler's recovery? I, I mean, I've, he's posted some stuff on Instagram of, of him running and stuff like that. Uh, how's he doing yeah, right now? I, I don't have. I don't have a timetable. Coach said on Monday that he was doing good, but he he never puts a timetable on, on injuries because you never know. So. Uh, I don't know his status, but like I said, I I, I want to see a little bit more of Kalen Balaj. Remember, this is a, yeah. a Kalen Balaj revenge situation these next two weeks. He's got <laughs> he's got the Dolphins and the Jets, uh, and I oh. thought he ran hard. I thought he had some stretches where he ran hard uh, on Sunday. So um, Troy May Pope, we still don't know uh, what his status is uh, as the injury report comes out. We'll get some more clarity on on some of these guys, but. Um, I'm all for seeing a young guy like Balaj. I saw him at the senior bowl in mobile a couple of years ago. Um, was pretty good down there. And, uh, he just, sometimes it's all about fit guys. Like you find the yeah, right fit, you right. find the right coach for you, you know, coach Lynn, obviously, uh, running back. Uh, so he knows the position better than anybody. And it, it was cool to see him, uh, kind of step up on Sunday. Uh, yeah, I mean, it was it was really cool to see him, uh, in particular, uh, you know, step up as kind of a undrafted free agent who's you know still kind of fighting his way uh, into the league. Right? He's uh, you know more so than uh, I guess a lot of other running backs who might have their roster spots in a way guaranteed. I think it's cool to see uh, you know his story and you know those guys that fight to be uh, fight for their playing time and fight. Uh, towards the end of the roster yeah no doubt and i actually think balash was a was he like a fourth round pick i want to say he was a fourth round pick yeah i want to um, say oh. i want to say like third or fourth i, I think or, alex my bad <laughs> no but you know it's i mean listen it's when you fall out of favor with the team and you go to another team yeah. at that point you know it, it's it's all about latching on to trying to find the right opportunity for you and um you know so far so good uh, one game in, and I, I think he'll be motivated on Sunday to play the Dolphins. Yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah, definitely. I always love a revenge game narrative, and uh, you know, it just Kalen Balaj, he, he just had to get away from Adam Gaze. That, that's as simple as that. <laughs> but, uh, Chris, this has been great, man. We thank you so much for your time. And, and, uh, guys, if, you, if you're listening to this, make sure you're also listening to. Uh, Chris and Haley, every single Sunday, they do a fantastic job kind of recapping the games and then 
uh, previewing the games as well. So thanks again, Chris, for your time. And we look forward to hearing the rest of your work the rest of the season. All right, guys, really appreciate it. All right. So hopefully you guys uh, enjoyed that. Like I mentioned, you know, we had a, a fantastic time talking ball with him. Uh, Alex, did you have any main takeaways from our discussion with Chris uh, yesterday? No, uh, I mean, I, I agreed with most of what he said. Um, I think he really brought to the forefront that, you know, while Chargers fans are, are very frustrated with um, defense and uh, other aspects of the team, it's, you know, on defense in particular, it's about bodies and the fact that they're missing uh, so many key pieces from week to week, um, from year to year, uh, you know, especially Derwin James and Chris Harris and all the guys that he mentioned, uh, Tranquil as well. So, you know, as much as we want to, you know, go ham on the coaching staff, and we've done a fair bit on the, <laughs> of that on this show yeah. in recent weeks, um, I, you know, there is also that aspect of it. Um, but, you yeah, know, I thought uh, Chris, Harry gave, uh, Chris Harry gave a great interview. Yeah, it was a lot of fun, and you know, I think everyone kind of gets sick of the injury bug excuse, and, and I'm not going to make that excuse because you know they still have a lot of talent on this defense. They still have uh, a good amount of experience, and Linval Joseph, Melvin Ingram, Casey Hayward, uh, you know Denzel Perryman, Rayshon Jenkins, like these guys have all played a lot of ball for this team. So uh, definitely not going to make any excuses, but you know, the injuries definitely provide context to the struggles. And uh, hopefully Joey Bosa, which we'll get to later, will be able to uh, play this weekend because obviously that would be a huge lift. So like I mentioned, we are going to do some midseason awards. Um, I wrote an article about this over on Bolt Beat, uh, but definitely wanted to get Alex's input on this as well. So uh, let's start with most improved. I personally went with Jerry Tillery. I know there's definitely an argument for Sam Tevy. There's an argument for Michael Davis. Um, but I just think Jerry Tillery, we're seeing flashes of him being able to really develop into that foundational pass rusher from the three technique spot that is really needed to uh, take pressure off of Joey Bosa, Melvin Ingram, or Unchenna Nwosu in the future. And really, you know, he's already matched his sack output. I know sacks are not everything, but, you know, for me, it's the pressures, it's the hurries that really shows how much he has improved. Uh, as a rookie, he only got 10 pressures in 16 games, and this year he's already second on the team with 24. So on pace for for a nice season, and uh, I just think we're, we're seeing a good leap from him, uh, and it's been a lot of fun to watch his development, his techniques a lot better, his, his conditioning and strength levels a lot better as well. So uh, most improved player, Alex, who you got? Uh, Jerry Tillery is a good choice. I personally went with the guy you mentioned, uh, Sam Tevy. Uh, you know, considering what our expectations were on Sam Tevy preseason, which was, you know, yeah. just try not to mess up. <laughs> um, you know, it, it's funny looking back, uh, all of our questions were on the left side of the line uh, and how they would perform with, you know, uh, a concoction of a Feeney, a Pouncey, of Tevy. You know, how would that go? And, you know, Turner and Balago was viewed as... Uh, you know, the most certain aspect of the team in some ways. Uh, but now, you know, it's it's become clear that the left side of the offensive line has been the most consistent uh, side from week to week. Uh, and, you know, for Tevi to put together seven pretty good games, in my opinion, and one uh, bad outing that I would uh, say against the Saints, uh, for him to be that consistent from week to week, which is, you know, what Chargers fans have been looking for from Tevi for years, 
Uh, I think that that's uh, definitely an accomplishment for him and, you know, way to do it in a contract year. Um, but, right. yeah, it's it's definitely been night and day from, I think, where Tevi was in 2018, where he was in 2019. Um, the fact that he's, uh, you know, simply not the liability in the offensive line anymore and is one of its strengths, um, to me, that's a, a great accomplishment from Tevi. Yeah, absolutely. And he really is you know, holding his own as a run blocker. I think he's a fantastic run blocker. Um, but you mentioned, you know, the pass protection, the, the biggest thing for me, uh, you know, in 2019, he was, when he was bad, he was truly terrible. And there were, uh, four occasions last year when he allowed six pressures or more, he allowed seven twice and six twice. And, uh, this year so far his season high is just four. So he's improving, obviously having a mobile quarterback helps in terms of allowing less sacks, but, you know, the leap from Sam Tevy is definitely there. Um, let's go to the comeback player of the year. For me, like I mentioned in my article, if Derwin James were healthy, he would be the easy choice and it would have been a landslide. Um, I mentioned two other names, Nasir Adderley and Forrest Lamp, both of which uh, ended the season on injured reserve last year. I ended up going with Forrest Lamp. You know, I just feel like he's been a more consistent player. You know, we've seen a little bit. You know, we've seen some flashes of Adderley being that guy. Um, but Lamp arguably has been the team's best lineman so far this year. Um, he's only allowed 10 pressures through uh, uh, through eight games. And, you know, uh, last year was just such a mixed bag for, between him and Dan Feeney. The two of them combined for 40 pressures last year. And uh, Forrest Lamp is just doing a much better job this year. He's much stronger. And he's a much more aware and more intelligent player this year, which I've been uh, pleasantly surprised by. So Forrest Lamp was my choice here. Uh, what about you? Lamp is definitely uh, a guy that you can go with. Uh, I'm personally going to go with Hunter Henry. Um, mostly the fact that, you know, he hasn't been explosive from game to game, but just uh, not getting injured. <laughs> I mean, you know, how many times have we played the first half of the season or, you know, uh, you know, last year he got hurt. Uh, with the tibia injury the year before that torn ACL before the season. Um, yeah. So just to come back, uh, play every game, have about you know four or five receptions a game, whatever he's having, uh, I, I think that that's a big role. And he's become uh, a target of Herbert's on kind of a short to intermediate throws, you know, go get first downs. Uh, and I think his role with Herbert will expand as time goes on. Uh, we, we really only touched the kind of brink of what could happen. Uh, I think that uh, he's going to be a really good fit for Herbert. It's all said and done. So uh, I'm going to give it to Hunter Henry for staying healthy. You know, that, that's that been Chargers fans' big uh, holdup with him. But, you know, uh, <laughs> unfortunately, I, I probably just jinxed him this week. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, not Got to uh, knock on wood but, right now. Knock on yeah, wood. <laughs> when it's all said and done, I think uh, Henry has a, a great chance to have a great second half of the season. Uh, I, I I can see uh, Lamp. He's definitely been much improved both as a player and, and coming back from that injury. But I would lean towards uh, Hunter Henry considering what the expectations were uh, from the beginning of the season. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, we haven't seen him you know, really have a big game since week one, really, you know, he had 83 yards, I want to say in week one. Um, but he's just been so consistent for Herbert. And I think, you know, right now, Justin Herbert really has the tendency to kind of focus in on, on Keenan Allen as all rookies do with their number one quarterbacks. And, and that's definitely not a bad idea. 
Um, but it's going to be really interesting to see, you know, specifically next year, if they bring him back, obviously how the Herbert and Henry relationship will develop from here on out. Uh, so let's move to offensive. No, I'm sorry. Let's move to best offseason acquisition. Um, for me, you know, unfortunately, there's really only one choice, and that's Limbaugh Joseph. Uh, you know, I think Chris Harris would have an argument if he were healthy, and obviously so would Brian Balaga. But, you know, we've only seen two games out of each of those. So for me, it's Linvaud Joseph. And he, he definitely is not the player that he once was, but he has been such a big upgrade over Brandon Meebane, specifically as a pass rusher. Um, you know, over the last three years, Brandon Meebane had 24 total pressures and Linval Joseph through eight games has 16. So, uh, just the pass rushing aspect for Linval Joseph has been a, a huge upgrade for this team. Yeah. I mean, unfortunately I think you have to go with Linval. Um, and that's, yeah. not a, that's not a distaste. It's just like, well, Harris is hurt and blog is hurt. Uh, Turner's, you know, still working his way back. Um, so there's really only one off-season acquisition to get into without talking about the draft and draft class has been kind of disappointing apart from herbert so it's uh yeah i, I think it's level joseph and definitely in comparison to what me bane or what previous linemen were giving uh he's given uh this defensive uh interior so much more energy uh and you know while it hasn't always looked like that on paper because of some of the other parts of the line uh he has definitely been uh, holding his own. I, th- I think he did a little bit better in the first half of the season than uh, he has been in recent weeks, but uh, it still is you know night and day from what the defensive interior was last year. Yeah, absolutely. And, and it's been fun to watch him play, and he's clearly a leader on this team. I think if, if they were to hold a vote for captains again right now, I think he would be you know a clear choice. And uh, it's just been so much fun watching him play, and he, he can move, man. He's He's 32, right, I think? Um, but he can still move and he can still hold his own. He got pushed around a little bit this past week, but you know, uh, what's his name? Hudson does that to everybody. So, um, let's move to offensive player of the year. I think this is another one that there's really only one choice. Uh, who would you choose? Uh, Keenan Allen. I mean, it's, it's pretty obvious and, you know, maybe if Austin Eckler was healthy, he would have a shot at it. Uh, you know, Hunter Henry was playing a bigger role. Maybe he'd have a shot at it, but it, but it really has to be Keenan Allen just because of, you know, his volume, uh, you know, kind of being insane. Uh, Herbert looks his way, you know, it feels like for 10 receptions a game now, uh, pretty pretty consistently. He's just, uh, you know, hit, you know, particularly on third down and so awesome. And he was in previous years as well. Uh, but, but yeah. to have a rookie quarterback and to give him that confidence that, Hey, you can go to me at any point in the game. Uh, and I'm going to, you know, dive for this first, da- uh, die for this first down. I'm going to, you know, turn my body and reorient for five yards. Uh, it's just been insane to see what he does. And uh, I, I would note that his, his strength uh, in a way seems improved from previous years. Um, so I, I would say that Keenan Allen is obviously the offensive yeah. player of the year. Um, yeah, there, there really is no one else, uh, obviously other than Herbert, who we'll talk about later. Um, but yeah, so it, it has to be Keenan Allen. It does. And it would be a, a really fun discussion if Austin Ecker were healthy because, you know, the two of them, you know, in, uh, Justin Herbert's tenure, were putting up big time numbers. 
Um, so I think something that kind of got glossed over and the losses that Keenan Allen tied uh, Charlie Joyner for um, second most receptions all time. And so he uh, obviously just needs the one to, to move into a clear second place. And, and I, I honestly think that we might see him, you know, catch Antonio Gates. It, it seemed for a while that maybe no one would, would touch that reception record, um, which I think is 955 right now. Um, but he just needs to, you know, play like four more years after this one. And and he'll, he should be in good shape for that record. Um, you mentioned the third down, um, the third down effectiveness. He leads the entire NFL in third down targets, receptions, and first down conversions on third down. So, um, definitely someone that Justin Herbert can really count on. And that has been super reliable, reliable for, uh, the rookie quarterback. So uh, let's move to Defensive Player of the Year. Again, I think this is a very easy choice. Um, maybe if if Derwin were healthy, you know that would be a fun conversation. But uh, to me, it's easily Joey Bosa. Uh, I actually disagree. I think that it might be Rayshon Jenkins. You look at um, his coverage. <laughs> uh, you, you know, I, I can't do it. Um, uh, no, yeah, Joey Bosa. I mean, you look at the Raiders game as an example of. What happens when Joey Bosa is not on the line? Uh, the Chargers don't get pressures. They don't get sacks. Uh, and it, it just turns into uh, kind of a bad time uh, for the defensive line. So there's just uh, he, he's the most valuable player uh, on the defensive side of the ball. And the way that uh, I really admire is him playing through his injuries and still uh, being as effective as he was. You know, I remember before that Saints game, uh, it was, you know, he had a knee, he had an ankle, he had a he, basically his whole body. It was a tricep, uh, yeah. His tricep, his his heart, I don't know. Um, but <laughs> he was still going out there, and he got a you know crucial sack on Breeze in that game. And, you know, he's just been uh, balling out the whole year and has, you know, fully proven uh, beyond a shadow of a doubt that he was worth uh, the contract he was given in the offseason. Yeah, absolutely. Couldn't agree more there. Um, you know, you mentioned the New Orleans game. He really only played about a third of that game. I want to say, I think he played like 25 snaps. Um, and then obviously he didn't finish the Denver game. So really he's got about six full games and he's seventh in the league in pressures. So it's just the, uh, the amount of pressure that he's able to generate and just beat his man. Um, I, I remember seeing a couple of weeks ago that he was like number one or number two in the league in terms of pass rush win rate which is just, you know, insane considering all the injuries and stuff like that. Uh, hopefully he's able to be on the field this week because the team definitely needs him. All right, so let's talk about Justin Herbert, man, because he's obviously the team MVP for me. Uh, definitely the rookie of the year. There's no other choice for rookie of the year, unfortunately. Um, but I, I I shudder to think what this team would look like right now with Tyrod at quarterback. And, you know, I, I obviously was really excited about Tyrod coming into the season and, and the kind of weapons and defensive supporting cast that were around him but if this team had Tyrod Taylor man like they would still probably be two and six but it would be a much much different two and six uh than what we're experiencing right now where basically they are in games only because of Justin Herbert's arm so uh for me Justin Herbert easily team MVP think about what it would be with Tyrod you know and uh it, that's not really a diss on Tyrod as much as it is just you know what this team was built around right the uh, i guess suggestion with tyrod was hey you know the defense will give up 20 points a game and tyrod yes. will score 21 
right? right. And around that basic construct, it worked, but it doesn't really work, unfortunately, when the defense is hemorrhaging 30 points a game. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so that's also unfortunate. Uh, but, um, yeah, no, I mean, Herbert has been amazing, uh, yes. way past what any of our expectations were. Uh, you know, from the draft to to now, it's just been a notab- uh, noticeable improvement uh, week after week uh, in the league. And, um, you know, every concern that we had coming out of college it has really been just kind of neutered at this point. And like uh, he's just come out and, uh, you know, he still uh, does a little bit of staring down sometimes. But other than that, uh, it's just. You know, you, you did the great film breakdown on YouTube. Um, you know, it's night and day. I keep saying that in this podcast, but it is uh, yeah. very different from what he was in college. And um, credit to, uh, you know, the coaching staff, credit to, you know, pretty much everyone involved from Pep Hamilton to Shane Sykin to Anthony Lynn, because uh, they've found their quarterback of the next 15 years, pretty much. All right. So let's get to this injury report and, and our you know dolphins preview i think you know this is like the smallest injury report we've seen so far this season which is obviously good news um and really the the best news of the day is that joey bosa was able to practice uh in a limited fashion obviously that that is is good news Tremaine pope obviously returned as well in a full capacity uh what is your gut feeling on if joey bosa can play this weekend or not uh i mean it's all going to depend on the concussion protocol i uh hope he's able to get out of it because this team desperately needs him. Uh, but, uh, you know, it's up to what the team doctors say on that one. So uh, it, it's promising that he was able to jump back into limited practice today. Uh, I guess we'll see right. what happens on Thursday, Friday, Saturday. But I feel 65% confident that he'll play. I, I think there's a good chance and he's headed in the right direction. Um, but it all comes to being able to pass concussion protocol, which has um, gotten stricter and stricter uh, around the league over time. So, you know, it, there's no real telling what will happen with that one yet. Yeah, which obviously, you know, the, the strictness is, is a good thing, right? And we almost always see someone diagnosed with a concussion miss at least one game. Uh, that's kind of been the trend lately. I agree. I, th- I would feel like 60% too. I'm cautiously optimistic that he'll be able to play. Um which obviously would be a huge help. The other ones, uh, Brian Balaga actually looked pretty good. They showed uh, they showed him on uh, Instagram, and he was moving pretty well with the back injury. Um, when he got hurt, I thought he was, like, done, like, for the year. Like, that was my instant reaction. Um, so the fact that he was even able to practice in a limited fashion was good news, obviously. And then Trey Turner uh, practiced, practiced in a limited fashion as well. Um it seems like they're following the same kind of path with Trey that they did with Brian Bulaga. Um, I kind of feel like he's going to play this week, but I guess, you know, we'll have to see how he practices it tomorrow. But uh, sitting here on Wednesday, I do feel like Trey Turner is going to play this week. What about you? Yeah, I think so. I mean, he, he texted us last week that he's, he'll be back soon. So uh, that was always uh, good to hear. So we got the breaking news on that. So, uh yeah no i mean i think he went through limited practice last week got kind of acclimated back in his uh the swing of things i think he'll be even more into the swing of things this time so um you know uh we'll see kind of what's happening with the rest of the offensive line but i think it's safe to say relatively speaking that trey turner will play 
Yeah, I agree with you. And and so I guess this is kind of a, a loaded question maybe, but like let's say Joey Bosa plays, but Bulaga and Turner do not play. Yeah, how would that make you feel in terms of like your prediction for the game? I think Joey Bosa is more important than those two uh, in a way uh, because you have Justin Herbert's mobility. Um, Pipkins, I mean, to his, uh, to his credit, I think in the Raiders game, uh, well, it wasn't good. I think he was able to just kind of, you know, be okay, hold his own. Uh, and I think it really depends on, on continuity, right? If, if you only want Balaga playing, in my opinion, if you feel he can play all, you know, 60 minutes or the 30 of it that right. he's on, right? Just because you want the continuity. If you're not uh, at least close to certain that he can do that, then I would say it's better to start Pipkins from a continuity standpoint. So, um, yeah, so we'll see what happens with that. Uh, obviously, Turner, you know, Cole Toner has, you know, uh, proven uh, in the last couple of weeks that you yes. know, if, yes. if he... If Turner can't go, uh, he's perfectly fine in handling it. So I'm a little bit more concerned about Balaga than Turner, but I think Joey playing is just such a, a force, as we mentioned, and it's more important than uh, those two spots on the offensive line. Yeah, totally agree. And, you know, Cole Toner, he's another one that's like a, a pleasant surprise, and it's, you know, their fifth string guard turned out to be arguably their best guard uh, of the season, <laughs> which is just crazy. Um, he's only allowed one pressure in two games and, you know, he, he's played fantastic. So um, really the last one and, you know, quite honestly, the, the least confidence uh, that I have in a player playing this week is Justin Jackson. Uh, he was listed as a DNP uh, today and Anthony Lynn said that they might consider resting him. All the reporters said that he had a huge knee brace on, which obviously is not a good thing. He unfortunately just he can't stay healthy, man. And it's never like a season-ending injury. Like it's always just been like a hamstring, a, a minor knee strain. Like all these just you know nicks and bruises are are always just so tough for him to overcome. And really, it's shown in his his play. Unfortunately for him, and. uh I'm a big fan of what I saw from Kalen Balazs. I've watched the film and I thought Kalen Balazs played fantastic. And I really like the way that he runs. So honestly, like I'm okay. If Justin Jackson doesn't play, I think actually if he, if he does play and Kalen Balazs, you know, sat, I think that would hurt the team. Honestly, I really do. So for me, I'm okay. If Justin Jackson takes a game off, we'll see kind of what happens, but uh, I'm, I'm really liking what I'm seeing, what I have seen from Kalen Balazs. Uh, what do you make of this running back situation? You know, I mean, I think Kalen Balazs is, <laughs> it's, it's, who could imagine that we're sitting here in uh, right. <laughs> week 10 or whatever. And Kalen Balazs is uh, the first string running back. And we're like, no, actually we want that. Yeah, um, I know. <laughs> that's just how this, how the season has gone. Um, no, I think Kalen Balazs showed against the Raiders that he has kind of great um, downhill running instincts. He right. uh, was pretty uh, explosive in that game, very physical too, uh, turning three or four yard runs into six or seven yard runs. Um, he's just uh, got a really great, um, I, I don't know if he's quite, uh, if he has quite the vision that someone like Justin Jackson has, but he does have uh, a lot of that physicality, which the Chargers, um, I think, have been missing uh, 
you know, consistently since, you know, you could say the departure of Melvin Gordon, I guess. Um, so I would say Village helps a lot in that way. Uh, and so you could see something like, mm, I don't know if, <laughs> if this will be the exact number, but maybe 60, 30, 10 in Balage carries to Pope carries to Kelly carries. We'll see. Kelly weirdly just seems like he's gotten benched. Um, we'll see if they give him a little bit more responsibility in this game, but I think it'll definitely be an emphasis on Balage in the ground and then, uh, I guess, Troy, Troy May Pope in the air. Um, so I, I am yeah, excited to see what uh, both Belange and Pope do because uh, they really impressed me in the last a couple weeks. And uh, also, running backs don't really matter. So you <laughs> just <laughs> plug whoever in there yeah. and it'll mostly work. So, uh, but no, I'm excited to see what Belange and uh, Pope can do in particular. Yeah, it really is unfortunate in terms of Joshua Kelly because he is he's such a good person, right? And he's like the most positive person. I've never met him. But all I can see is him just being, you know, 100% positive all the time. And, you know, I don't think he's going to go away. I, I think Anthony Lynn understands, you know, they drafted him. They need to get him some work. Um, but I'm just not seeing any kind of, like, yards after contact from him. You know, as soon as he gets hit, he's down. And, and he doesn't really have that kind of elusiveness to make people miss like Austin Eckler does or even kind of Justin Jackson when he's healthy. And Caleb Blas, you know, he was running people over quite a bit and getting three, four yards after a contact on every single carry. So I just think, you know, if you're not that great of a receiver, you know, Kelly kind of has made some plays in the passing game, but not, you know, on a consistent basis. He doesn't really make people miss. He can't really run people over. You know, at the end of the day, I would rather have Balazs, who's able to get those extra yards and get those tough, those tough yards that Anthony Lynn always likes to reference and. <laughs> I can't believe that's a thing, man. The dude averaged like 1.8 yards a carry in Miami, and we're sitting here. He's played one game for the Chargers, and I'm like, yeah, let's go. Like, let's do it. Give him, you know, 15, 18 carries, and let's see what happens. It's just 2020 continues to surprise, man. It's it's crazy. Yeah, no, I just think it's funny that uh, I didn't think about it till Chris Harry said in our interview that he's going to have two revenge games uh, against the Dolphins yeah. and Jets yeah. uh, in back-to-back weeks. So uh you know presuming jackson can't go for those two games and probably eckler not being back it it seems like it's gonna be uh his backfield obviously you know (laughs) it's crazy that we've given him the backfield after one game but it it is somewhat (laughs) of a running back by committee situation as well uh right you know they're gonna go with uh whoever has the hot hand uh between him uh kelly and uh, pope so uh, I'll be curious to see how that plays out uh, on Sunday. Yeah, here we are in week 10 with a Kalen Balazs and Troy Wayne Pope backfield, man. It's what a world. <laughs> um, we did get some questions on Twitter about, you know, Kalen Balazs' uh, financial situation. So uh, the way that the NFLPA and NFL set this up, you get to uh, promote someone from the practice squad twice before you have to sign them to the active roster or, you know, lose the the – or, you know, uh, lose the chance of having them for the full season on the practice squad. So uh, I expect him to play well against Miami, and then I expect him to be signed to the active roster full-time after that. Um, Otherwise, he'll have to be on the practice squad the rest of the season, and I just don't know if this team can afford to do that. Um, In terms of – yeah, go ahead. 
Oh, you know, I was just going to say people were <laughs> freaking out on Twitter and, right. and uh, you know, uh, everywhere I saw talking about the Chargers about, oh, Anthony Lynn put this guy back on the practice squad. What's he doing? Uh, but that's just a standard practice squad. Standard procedure. procedure. So, yep. Yeah. So everyone relax. <laughs> and they could certainly, you know, by the time this comes out, you know, they could certainly have signed him already. So it kind of just depends. Um, but like I said, I expect him to play. I expect him to play well on Sunday and then be signed to the active squad full time. I just think, you know, this team needs the kind of explosiveness that he offers. Um, in terms of the Miami Dolphins injuries, you know, they, their practice squad or their practice squad, their injury report obviously is a little more positive than the Chargers have been. Really, the only kind of doubtful player is Matt Breida, which obviously he would help their running back situation without uh, Miles Gaskin. But, you know, everyone listed on their uh, injury report is is either full or limited. So, you know, not uh, really missing any kind of key players, unfortunately, besides Miles Gaskin. So let's get into this uh, preview, man. And I, I think this is really an interesting game. It's a little different than last week because, you know, the Miami offense is so, I guess, uncertain with Tua. You know, there's a lot of new tendencies there. There, They did a lot more bootlegs than they ever did with Ryan Fitzpatrick, uh, from what I saw on film at least. Um, but let's start with our key matchups. What is your first key matchup that you want to bring up? Uh, I think it'll come down to how they defend the run. Uh, a little bit. Miami's run game has kind of struggled, um, especially in, you know, late down situations uh, when they need short yardage. But, you know, the Chargers just got absolutely uh, ran on uh, last week with Devontae Booker and Josh Jacobs. Uh, so, you know, I, I want to see a better effort uh, with the run defense. So if they can do that, and you're basically kind of, you know, forcing Tua to beat you at that point. I'm way more comfortable, you know, or not comfortable. Obviously, Tua is a great player. Um, but I feel better about the game if it's, you know, Tua having to beat us with his arm rather than getting, you know, ran on for 200 yards. Right. Uh, so I definitely think that will uh, play a key in this game. Brito, we don't know if he's going to go. Uh, he didn't go last week. So he, he, he you said he was limited or full? He was limited today, so Jordan Howard was their their starting running back last week, and uh, it was not pretty. Yeah, so it'll be some combination of you see if Gaskin can go, maybe, uh, but that those three in the backfields, and it hasn't really yielded great results for them. Uh, granted, the Chargers have given some of the teams that haven't ran great uh, some you know un- unfortunate defensive letups there, so. Uh, yeah, I think it'll come down to how they uh, defend against the run just because uh, Tua is so explosive. And Tua, to his credit, could run himself. I mean, we saw him uh, kind of run against the Cardinals uh, a yep. little bit. And, you know, this might be one of those weeks where you have to put a QB spy on him. They probably won't. Uh, <laughs> but, um, yeah. yeah, no, I, I definitely think uh, Tua can contribute in the run game. You know, if, 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 you know, they could do stuff with Fitzpatrick if they want. He can run, too. Uh, <laughs> so they um, definitely can run with uh, either quarterback uh, when it comes to the running backs. Uh, Gaskin's pretty talented. He's, uh, I think, their most talented one. But uh, with this Chargers run defense, I don't necessarily trust them, even against uh, a Jordan Howard or Matt Breida type, especially <laughs> uh, with Matt Breida's speed. 
Um, so I don't know. We'll we'll see, but I'm not too confident about stopping the run. Yeah, Matt Breida and Justin Jackson are very similar in the fact that they can never stay healthy, but it's never a season-ending injury. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, Matt Breida, when he was healthy with the Niners a couple seasons ago, he was like the most efficient running back in the league. He had like eight yards of carry. So he's definitely in that same kind of Philip Lindsay mold where, you know, if he plays, I'm going to be a little worried about him kind of breaking the game open like we saw with Philip Lindsay, unfortunately. Um, you know, you mentioned Tua and the quarterback spy. The whole Kenneth Murray situation has been weird. And, you know, Tyler, you know, kind of pointed out maybe he had a little bit of a hip injury, but then the team said that it was communication issues and maybe they were putting too much on his plate. So for me, you know, if if you're trying to get the most out of Kenneth Murray, you know, they have this stretch of games coming up here with mobile quarterbacks. Um, Obviously, two of this week, maybe Sam Darnold is back next week. He's, He's shown the ability to be mobile. Then you have... Uh, Cam Newton, Josh Allen, you know, uh, all these quarterbacks within the division again. So for me, like, I, I would love to see them have Kenneth Murray spy Tua this week and just kind of, you know, test it out. And, and, you know, maybe it's something that they can do later on this in the season. But, you know, if you're asking, if you're trying to get the most out of Kenneth Murray, maybe scale some things back, have him do something that he was familiar with in college. You know, that's really what Oklahoma had him do was just spy the quarterback. And, and I think that would help. I would think it would help all parties involved, right? And, you know, Tua showed off his legs. He bootlegged quite a bit against the Cardinals. And uh, I think that definitely would help. So I guess that's not really a key matchup. But, you know, in general with Tua, I think the thing that they have to do is get to him, right? And he gets the ball so quick. And he's got a good pocket presence. So if they're going to beat this team, they had nine pressures against the Raiders. That's not going to cut it this week. You got to get up in the 20s, get a couple sacks, you know, rattle Tua as much as you can. And I think if they do that, uh, maybe cause a turnover would be nice. <laughs> um, but I, th- I think they have to get to Tua early and often in this game if they're going to win. Yeah. And yeah, speaking of uh, causing turnovers, Miami's defense has been... Uh, the yeah. one causing turnovers nonstop. So that's a matchup that scares me, even though the Chargers haven't been turning over the ball a lot. Um, I, I would just say, you know, the, the way they harassed Jared Goff, um, you know, two weeks ago, that was just kind of crazy to watch. Uh, so, you know, I would say I, I think the Chargers will keep, uh, you know, take care of the ball, but the Dolphins can bring pressure uh, and, you know, they... They don't have the most uh, elite defensive core, uh, but they shored up their defense with Kyle Van Noy and Byron Jones, uh, some offseason acquisitions, yeah. and they have young guys uh, that want to play as well, right? So I, I think those young teams before uh, a franchise has a great defense are, are just really scary uh, matchups. Yeah, they've gotten you know, a few defensive touchdowns the last couple of weeks, and really you, know, you mentioned Byron Jones. They take full advantage of their secondary and their corners, man. They put Byron Jones, Damian Howard on islands, put them on one-on-one, and they almost always outnumber the offensive line. And it's something that caused Jared Goff a ton of problems, which you know is kind of inexcusable for Jared Goff being in the league for these few years. But it, it's not a super complex defense like we, we used to see in New England. It's generally pretty simple. You bring six guys against five offensive linemen or you bring seven against five offensive linemen and a tight end. And so they almost always have a rusher 
more than the offense. And so that is on the quarterback. Whenever there's an empty set and there's six defensive linemen, you know, the quarterback is responsible for that free rusher. And uh, it's going to be interesting to see what they do. They max protected all the time against the Buccaneers and the Saints uh, with mixed results, obviously. So definitely something to keep an eye on for Justin Herbert this week. Yeah. Um, and the, I think this is going to be Justin Herbert's. No, 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 he came during Tampa Bay. I was going to say the first time on the East Coast, but he came and played uh, Tampa. So I'm um, I'm excited to see how this goes uh, with the Dolphins. Obviously, everyone's going to be watching for uh, Herbert versus Tua, um, the, the battle of uh, the guy we were never going to acquire anyway. Um, but. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I definitely want to see Herbert um, kind of, you know, continue to prove himself and continue to stay in the lead for Rookie of the Year. Um, and I really just want to, you know, the thing that I'm hoping for uh, is when the Chargers eventually post that Jack Boys picture uh, on Sunday. I hope that it actually works this time. Uh, <laughs> that defense has a good game. Um I, I it it just you know stinks to see Herbert and the offense put up you know 28 30 points a game uh and just not you know have not be able to take advantage of it because of the slouching defense. Um so that's my big hold up going into this game. Um so I you know but it, it doesn't necessarily get easier because you know you're going to have Casey Hayward on probably Devontae Parker uh and that is not a matchup i love uh and you know the run game defense last week was pretty bad so you know plus you have someone like uh, mike gasicki as a tight end so uh those are the offensive matchups for miami that concerned me but uh, i'm just hoping for a better defensive performance i think uh i think herbert will limit turnovers uh despite the fact that miami's been causing them uh a lot recently but, uh, yeah, I, I think that it'll be tough to see. Uh, it, it'll be tough to play that defense, but I think they'll, he'll get it done. Um, but, uh, yeah, I am worried about the Chargers defense in this one. Yeah, they're in a tough spot. I, I should mention that uh, Preston Williams uh, was placed on season-ending injured reserve, so I guess maybe that helps. I don't think it really matters, honestly, because the secondary is just – it's not in a good spot right now. And – uh, you know, Nasir Adderley and, and Rayshon Jenkins are so inconsistent. And, you know, something that Daniel Popper said in, in his article is that, you know, right now the Chargers have inconsistencies right up the middle of their defense, right? You have Kenneth Murray, Kaiser White, who are inconsistent. Rayshon Jenkins, Nasir Adderley, who are inconsistent. If they're off, your defense is going to really be bad. And unfortunately, yeah. that's been the majority of the season where, you know, we've yet to see a cohesive four quarter performance from this defense. And it's not just like, you know, they, they've shown flashes of playing, you know, some good ball and particularly against like new Orleans in the first half and Denver in the first half, but we just haven't seen a cohesive performance from this defense last week. It was terrible for three and a half quarters. And finally they were able to step up and, and Chris Harry mentioned like, you know, football is a three unit sport, right? You have offense, defense, special teams. We've never really seen, a good performance from two out of three. Like it's always been just the offense and, you know, whether it be special teams penalties or missed field goals from Michael Badgley or, or defensive meltdowns. Like we have yet to see this team have two out of the three working, you know, in a positive manner. And so 
that's what I, that's kind of what I want to see. You know, get rid of the special teams penalties. Michael Badgley kicks some field goals. Offense does their part, and they should be okay. If the defense can just be not terrible, <laughs> then <laughs> they should be okay. But yeah, I'm just not confident in this defense at all. Even if Joey Bosa plays, I, I I don't know if they'll be able to hold Miami under 28 points, and that's yeah, it's just a, a damn shame right now. Yeah, um, it's just a tough uh, position for everyone to be in when the you know particularly the third and second levels are struggling. Uh, I I think Kenneth Murray will have a bounce back game. Um, you know they talked about communication issues, but I, I think he wants to kind of prove himself in this one. Um, so that's the, I, I guess if you're going to look for a gauge on how the defense performs in this game, it'll go, uh, as Kenneth Murray goes, I think if he has a really yeah. good game, uh, then I think the Chargers definitely have a chance to win. Uh, if he doesn't, and then you have Jenkins and Adderley and everything else we've talked about, uh, I think that this could be a long day. Yeah, I think that's a good call, man. And I think eventually Kaiser White is going to have a turnover, man. <laughs> He's been so <laughs> close every single week, but uh, it would know, be a good spot for him to get this turnover this week. So let's get to our, our predictions. I, I'm I'm not that optimistic, honestly. I, I'm really not that they get a win. I think it'll be close, as always. You know, these games in Miami have been so weird for this team over the past. Even last year when the Dolphins were terrible and the Chargers were, you know, even though they finished terrible. But the Chargers at that point, you know, still had a lot of optimism in, in, in terms of the season. And they started out so slow against Josh Rosen, which is you know, so weird. Um, <laughs> but what what is your final score prediction for this game? Uh, I'm actually going to say that the Chargers win this game. Uh, okay. I think this is going to be... Uh, a good game, a good enough game from the uh, defense. Uh, uh, Shudder saying that, I'm not sure. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I think they'll play better than they did last week because the Raiders are definitely more challenging to play uh, when it comes to the run, uh, just because they, you know, they have Josh Jacobs, they have that interior of their line um, that is just so hard to stop. So I, I think that that's something that they'll do better against Miami. Miami's offensive line isn't quite as well developed uh, on the inside and their running backs have been, you know, as we mentioned with Howard and Gaskin, uh, Brita, it's just kind of been running back by committee to mixed results and also some injuries. So I think the Chargers offense will show up. Uh, I don't know if there's a ton to be concerned about uh, on Miami's defense. If they're not getting a lot of pressure, if they are getting pressure, then that turns into, um, an, you know, not a, not so great news for the Chargers. Uh, but I'm going to say that the Chargers win 30-27. to 27. I think it'll be a close game. Um, but the Chargers need to get a win eventually. I think the 4.05 start time as opposed to the 1 o'clock start time uh, is a huge advantage compared to the game last year. Uh, you know, so I'm going to take the Chargers... Uh, by yeah, thirty twenty seven. I appreciate the optimism, Alex. I was not <laughs> I was not expecting you to predict a win, so so I appreciate that optimism. Um, I, I just I don't I don't know, man. I I don't feel super optimistic about this this situation right now, and uh, I just think the defense is in such a bad spot. Unless Joey Bosa plays, obviously that will help. Uh, but sitting here on Wednesday. I think I'm going to go with a Dolphins win 28 to 23. 
Uh, I think the Dolphins are going to cover this game, unfortunately. And I just, I don't know, man. I've just been, maybe we should have waited to record until tomorrow. And I would have been a little <laughs> more optimistic. But <laughs> uh, for now, I'm, I'm going to predict the Dolphins win, uh, like I said, 28 to 23. Yeah, no, I mean, that's totally fair. I, I can see the game going that way as well. Um, it, it really just depends on... It, it, the defense and also, you know, what kind of Tua do we get in this game? Um, because if it's the Tua we got last week, um, I'm very concerned. But there's also very limited NFL film on him. Uh, and that's the thing that troubles me going into this game. But that also may play to the Chargers' advantage a little bit uh, in just, you know, playing their normal defense and not, you know, overthinking things. Uh, so that that might work out from that standpoint. But, uh, yeah, I'm a little bit more optimistic about this game just because I think the Chargers can offensively keep up with them. And I don't know if the Dolphins pose as much of an offensive threat uh, as some of the other teams uh, the Chargers have played this season. Uh, when you look at the Saints or the, the Bucks or, you know, the running game of the Raiders. So I'm going to predict a win... I feel 50-50 about it. <laughs> <laughs> that's probably about how I feel, honestly. I, I think this game could go either way. Yeah, that's every game, though, right? And, yeah. and that's the beauty of the Chargers is that they're in every game, and, and we're going to be stressed out in the fourth quarter. Heart rate's going to be pumping. Uh, but that's just the reality of the Chargers, man. And and you got to love it, right? And you know, better to be in games than getting blown out, I guess. So you know, the Chargers are definitely in a spot where they could win. And like I mentioned last week, man, they if – Justin Herbert is on his game. They have a chance to win, and that's been every single game this year for him. So uh, definitely looking forward to do that. Any other thoughts before we wrap up today? Uh, No, that's about it. Just to remind you, we're not getting Bill Belichick. <laughs> definitely not. And uh, to be honest, I don't think anyone besides Anthony Lennon is going to be coaching next year. So uh, definitely going to be uh You're going to hear from the group chat on that one. <laughs> I don't know, man. I just, I, I just think that this franchise, they're going to point to all the injuries. They're going to point to the development of Justin Herbert. Um, I do expect Gus, Gus Bradley to be fired in the offseason, but I think they will give Anthony Lynn one final chance to, uh, turn the ship around, but, uh, definitely something to cover in the offseason. Uh, that being said, that'll do it for us today, guys. Make sure and keep an eye out on our YouTube and Patreon pages. Uh, we're going to have some breakdowns posted this week. And like I mentioned earlier today, we have decided to do a giveaway of a vapor Jersey of choice to one of our Patreon supporters. So, uh, all those entries need to be submitted by December 1st. If you are not on Patreon yet and want to get a chance at a vapor Jersey of your choice, definitely make sure and sign up. Thank you so much for your support. And we will see you guys next time. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.